Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, hone your message, and make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the word marketing, which the American Marketing Association defines as the activity, set of institutions, and processes for creating, communicating, delivering, and exchanging offerings that have value for customers, clients, partners, and society at large. In the camera-ready world, where your success depends on communicating how you stand out versus how you fit in, effective marketing is essential. But a lot of us are not born self-marketers, so I am thrilled to have life, business, and career coach Brian Pataka here to discuss. Brian is a spiritual practitioner who engages creative professionals seeking to ignite their businesses with fierce accountability, one of my favorite words, marketing innovation, and soul-satisfying success. Welcome, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. You know, it always feels weird when someone reads your bio out loud, but when you say it, Barbara, it actually may feel very like calm. It may feel very like, oh, I feel taken care of and I feel so ready to talk about this today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. I mean, we've known each other for ages, so this yeah. is a real joy for me to have this conversation. So first of all, I, you know, marketing is your word and you are an impactful market, self-marketer yourself, but also what you share with others and help, you know, elevate others. So how do you define marketing? You know, the word marketing, I think, also can rub a lot of the people that I work with the wrong way even. But at the heart of what we're doing, it is. But a lot of times, someone's more human experience of that is putting themselves out there. And that is where it starts to feel very sensitive and uncomfortable. And, you know, I wish that everyone could just be recognized for the gifts that they were given. And the truth is oftentimes you need to go public with your gifts or no one's gonna know. And that is, that's what I define marketing as, is like going public with your gifts, is being seen for your gifts. You know, I, I, I don't know where I got this from, but I remember they say, if you build it, they will come. I say, no, if you build it and you tell people about it, they will come. No one's coming unless you tell people to come there, right? So the, the, most of the people that I work with, I mean, I think that every human being in the world is creative, but a lot of the people that I work with will define themselves as creative. So they're actors, writers, producers, photographers, that kind of world, right? And a lot of your listeners, right? People who are being seen for their creativity. Um, and your creativity is usually doing the thing, whether that's painting or acting or taking photos or whatever it is, it's not usually an, and now how do I take this little piggy to market? Right? How do I get this out into the world? Um, and because there's a gap there, I think a lot of times, you know, creative people are inherently resourceful and inherent problem solvers. I think creativity in itself is problem solving in some ways. And so that means that we're always ready to figure it out on our own. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure everything, you know, we steal Marie Forleo, everything's figure outable. We're always trying to figure it out on our own, right? And this gap here then, because you're trying to figure it out on your own, leaves a space where all of the mommy daddy issues and all of the stories we tell ourselves and the advice that was been circling around since 1995 can rear its head and it can all the all the things that someone said to you in college and now you're 45 years old and you're still hearing that voice that someone said to you then like all the stuff gets to fill in that gap because that's not your zone of genius your zone of genius is taking photos or doing the thing and so where i found that i can excel, I guess, or where I can really help people is understanding the creative process and the vulnerability around putting yourself out there while honoring that that isn't your calling, that your calling is the thing that you're doing. Um, and that takes a certain degree of, I think, 
self-awareness and also like how much, you know, one of the things I see people succeed with is when they're willing to like treat it like a game or to have fun with it. Like if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But that takes some some amount of like bruising your knees, some amount of like getting it wrong a few times. And so my my deep desire is to create or to help creatives feel almost dangerous with the amount of putting themselves out there they're doing. Like send enough emails until you're going to barf or like right, right below the number that's going to make you throw up is the number of emails you need to send or the number of times you need to post or right. And oftentimes we're like, oh, wow, that was three emails. Good job. It did not feel like that. Like, and they're like, Yes, and it was really hard. We're like, great. On my end of my inbox, it was totally fine. I did not get overwhelmed whatsoever. You did not bother me, whoever you think you're going to bother. So that's maybe a long roundabout way to say that this, I believe, you know, I am. I have a background also as a non-denominational reverend um, and went to school for three years for that. It should have taken two years, but we're not going to talk about that. It took me longer. So I believe that your creativity is your birthright. And so I know that the world is a better place when people are doing what they are called to do and that that is what's going to ultimately uplift the consciousness of the planet. And if the marketing piece is where I can step in to help that happening, that's where I believe my role belongs is to help you have your greatest expression of that, which you were called to do. Amen to all of that. I think, a, you know, a twin aspect of this is the other, the S word that we haven't touched on is sales oh, because yeah. sales and marketing and in the business world, technically they're two different things, but for those of us who don't come from this naturally, it's all lumped into the same thing of sales and marketing. And to everything you just said, one is the, uh, the what feels yucky part of it, because we think of marketing as sales and that self-promotion and then goes into the deep personal issues and how we raise cultural issues, all of that. So I love that you called, you name checked Marie Forleo. So attaching <laughs> to that, I'm a big believer in that when we start to focus on the value that we bring, mm -hmm. it's so important because I love the definition of sales as enthusiasm transferred. Mm, I love right. That. So that touches yeah. on that. And then the yeah. other thing that you just said is also the recognition that marketing people who are really great at marketing who do a phenomenal job are super creative and that it's its own gift and set of skills. And that my mind doesn't think that way. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Barbara, just because you said the, the sales piece, I want to just speak to that mm -hmm. is, you know, I think the sales piece also gives me there's a kind of danger slash freedom that I hope that a lot of people can arrive at, which is a little risky when it comes to business. So I'm going to put the idea out there, then everyone put it through your own filter to see how this would apply to you, right? But my belief is I want to let's talk, let's use it, let's talk about content as a way of marketing just for a second, as a mm -hmm. as a focus to explain this. Is like I want to be so clear in the messages that I am putting out into the world that if I am not your person, please unsubscribe and delete and get me. I don't want to add to noise that is keeping you from not taking action. So I don't believe, so this is the, this is the anti-business part where like, I don't believe in competition. What I believe is like, if you are meant to be with this coach or you're meant to be with that person, you're meant to, great, but please don't let me give you a false sense of doing something in your life because you're just consuming my content because the, the moving of the dial, of course there's content of mine that can help people move the dial on things. But if you're really like, the leap between understanding who I am and what I believe and taking action is usually some version of a sale, some version of saying, yes, I'm ready to, to go to the next step, right? And so that's my belief is that I'm speaking it enough so that someone can say, I like what is happening here. I'm ready to do this. Or 
that's not for me. I need to go somewhere else. So I'm always like, you want to get unsubscribes is the best way I can say this. Like whether you're sending an email or in the way you're feeling about people is we can't get everyone to like us and we should not try to get everyone to like us because then you're really boring. So that we know that we need to have certain people who are our fans or our customers or our casting directors who love you if you're t- I'm talking to an actor right now, right? So that I think that that's such a freedom that can give you inside of sales mm-hmm. is that we don't need to get everyone to love you. I mean, it's different than when mm-hmm. you're selling like Olive. I mean, I guess you do, everyone has dishes, so you probably need to get everyone to buy Olive. That's not who I think I'm talking to right now, right? So uh, that's just a belief oh, that's giving I, me danger. I, just, I feel all of this. Yeah. And that's where I go back to value is that is, I'm a big believer. My version of that is is to encourage everyone to focus on impact, right? And the, yeah. and the value that you bring and and that that becomes your benchmark. Those are your, that's your matrix. Mm-hmm. And those are your metrics and not the numbers to your point for numbers sake. And also when we're focused on people liking us, we're looking inward. Totally. Oh God, you just called me out so bad because I, I don't know if anybody else here has ever written an Instagram post or sent an email in their lifetime. But when I'm about to like click send on my email, you know, my email goes out to like 20,000 people. I can sometimes get that like, well, are the commas in the right place? And are the T's crossed and are the I's? And I can see myself getting real perfectionist at the very end sometimes. And that's when it's no longer about them and it became about me. And I wouldn't know anything yeah. about that, Brian. I've never, <laughs> ever, ever heard of that. Um, <laughs> What a wild out there thought you just had. Yeah, right. I mean, right. So that's the, the human part, and it doesn't. But it doesn't get you up on stage. It doesn't stop you. No. So that's the point that we all have that, and that's. And to me, when I started to understand that, became the really. I just felt that like that cartoon anvil was lifted off my chest hmm. when I realized focus on the person who's who could be served by what you have to say. Don't focus on yourself. Yeah. And that, you know, tap into your calling and why you're here. It's amazing. I feel like we were separated at birth suddenly. So you're not only high level speaking of concept, um, but you're also about methodology. So another way to synthesize this is you're not just about the what you need to do, but you're about how I can help you do it, which yeah. is magic and it's all about value. What do you broadly consider effective marketing today for people who are creative? Yeah, I think effective marketing is going to, when you read it, when you see it, it is going to make you feel something. It is going to make you do something. It is going to make you notice something. Those are the three things that I think oftentimes that I'm driving towards. How do I want the person to feel when they receive this? Do I want them to actually click? Because sometimes in marketing isn't a, you need to click and buy. It is a, know that this is out in the world, right? Or do you need to notice something like this needs to change or you this is not a purchase, but you should go listen to this or whatever, right? Those are the three things, right? So to me, effective marketing is, this is going to sound counterintuitive, but you got to kind of sing your same song again and again and again. And we, because we're creative people, can get bored with singing our same song. And so we're always on to our next thing. But somebody who came to you in the first place loved you from the song you were singing a year ago, which was, so I'll give, I'll use my business as an example, right? So in my company, I help a lot of actors get representation. I made that program a few years ago. And of course, I'm updating it all the time. But I'm all talking about new things. I'm like, okay, I want actors to become offer only. I don't want them to worry about representation anymore. And da, da, da. But I need to keep talking about that because it is a level at which I make an impact and I serve actors. So I think part of impactful and good marketing is that you are seeing the same story over and over again, right? I'm not saying it's a sl- slogan. It could be a slogan, but that you're making sure that people know what you're known for um, and that it it sparks something, you know, I like when I was talking about when I stare at the email, I'm like, are the commas in the right place? And da, 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 da. I usually have to take a step back and go, how do I want the person to feel when they receive this? 
but what do I want them to do when they receive this? And then I'm like, oh, who cares about the periods and the T's and the I's and whatever, like, and I can click send on it again. But to me, it does make you feel something or do something. Notice something is a little softer. I know that was one of my third categories. The notice something for me is, I'll give you an example. Let's pretend you had an event coming up and it was like, this is my teaser to let you know about my event. You can't even RSVP yet. That falls in the notice category for me because you don't need to feel something about it. You should know like it's like a, it's a light save the day. You can't even RSVP yet. To me, that's the notice category. But the feel is I often feel like I want my emails to land on someone's box or to read the Instagram post and to go, I feel seen. I feel, oh shoot, I feel called out. I feel held. Um, and so that will often help me to drive the marketing that I think has been most effective for my work is having that kind of a conversation. And I think that to me is what good marketing is, is the a conversation that says, feel something, do something, notice something, and sparks that when someone's like, you know, when someone's looking at it. And I mean, and the other part about it is, let's just be real. There's a lot of there's a lot of how tos inside of this, right? Like, do not write a really really long email. No one wants to read five thousand. In my experience, no one wants to read five thousand words in an email, right? Like, format an email so that it's a little bit visually stimulating, so that we're not overwhelmed while we're holding our child's hand and standing at Starbucks. I don't have a kid, but this is my imagination of anyone who ever reads my email is that they're standing at Starbucks holding their child's hand, and their child is also crying. It's in their arms, and they're looking at their phone at the same time. That's how I write my emails to know that this person is probably going to be distracted. And so I think good marketing also like takes in the environment of how someone's consuming it. So that kind of went in a lot of different directions. I don't know if I covered oh, everything, no, 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 Barbara, no, no, no. is that helpful? I'm hanging, I'm hanging on your every word. Yeah. I want to sit with this for one second. Yeah. I want to validate, go back to what you just said from the you know side that I come from is one, the repetition. There's a reason why repetition is a hallmark of a keynote speech. All these different things, because remembering that the person who's receiving what you said doesn't know that information already. And the repetition is how our brains can start to process. So important. So it's just a great reminder that repetition is powerful and, um, and need not be mundane. And then to your point, I mean, I used to work on countdown shows at VH1. The idea that like it is really hard to get your, you know, excited every day for Celine Dion, my heart will go on when it's like number one, you know, for months and months and months. <laughs> but I bring this up too for anybody who works in a highly repetitive business, because if you're a newscaster, it can get hard to give the news. If you do a job where you have to do the same intro to your broadcast every day, you have to mentally decide, I have to feel like it's the first time I'm ever doing this mm. because some, to your exact point, somebody could be tuning in for the first time and they yeah. can't feel like it's the 1000th time you just did. Yeah. And Barbara, you just gave me so much freedom. I appreciate you saying that about repetition because even I know most people, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people listening, like really worry about the words that they're putting into the world or work over their content or their emails and things like that. And one of the things that I, I, I recently, when I was working with a copywriter who I was training under was like, it's okay to repeat yourself sometimes because I think we think our best editing is, okay, let's take out all the repetition, make sure it's, and I was like, no, let's just say the exact same sentence a different way because people need to mm -hmm. understand exactly what's happening here. And by saying it a different way, it will land. Like, and it was like such a good freedom to know that. So if a lot of people, you know, I, I always think about that. I would have written you a shorter note, but I didn't have enough time. I forget. Who said <laughs> that was, right? um, right. Oh, I love right? that. So uh, I, I'm not the one who said that. I think it's some like famous founding father or something. Um, but uh, I believe like, like that is so, tr that is so very true that when we edit, oftentimes we're pulling out repetition. And what you just said is such a, just it gives me freedom permission to repeat myself more, I would say. The other thing I want to sit with is the notion of feeling because 
again, we, you know, crossover in the, in the communities that we serve. So reaching out to get representation or in my world, you know, pitching, whether that's a yeah. project or for money, very, very similar thing. And so it's really easy to get mono focused on the facts. And, yeah. and the information matters, but what you just said is everything to me. It's you have to focus on feeling yeah. and then the other one. And then what? Yeah. Right. And then what? And then and what then do they what? do? Now what do they do? Like what is, what's because the next? Because if part? I want, well, so what's the result I want? And again, when you're really uncomfortable with asking, which is a whole separate conversation, yeah. Yeah. that's really, really tough to figure out like, oh, did I just send that? And I forgot to put the ask in there. That's uh, so really many weird. times. I'll get email. I got an email yesterday from a client who I adore, and I think that she wants to come back and start working together. And I read the email, and I was like, "I don't know if there was a question in your email. I'm not sure what kind of response because she, I, she, I, I was like, I think you're saying you want to work together, but I couldn't find a question mark. Are you saying you want me to, like to send you the link? And we could set up a meet. Like it was very unclear. And I think we can be so wrapped up in our story that we miss that we haven't like call to action. It might not be that strong of a call to action, but even if it's like reply to this is a call to action, right? So like, I think what you're saying is so true. We have to go back and check it. The other thing, Robert, Robert, that you just reminded me of is I have this thing that I, I, when I work with people on specifically when they're reaching out to people, which obviously when people are pitching, they're doing this is I call it the cubic zirconia cure. And what I mean by that is I like to think that you can spot a fake diamond from a mile away. So when you email, that's probably not true, but let's just go with it for this this theory, okay? So, uh, right. Oh my God, your face. If you people can see your face right now. Uh, so people can read your motives in an email the, from the first line. And I find that old ways have told you to like, fake authenticity, find some news about them, find her. And like, I'm barfing as I say these things out loud. And so what I teach is the cubic zirconia cure is speak into what it is you're doing in that moment, narrate your actions in the email so that no one has to see, oh, I'm going to find out what their fake motive is, what their motive is behind this. So it would sound something like, I'm going to riff this or like, hey, I'm reaching out to you because I've got a project that I really would love to get in front of your eyes. Your name was the first one that came to my mind. And I wanted to start here. What do you think about getting on the phone? Or I can say like, like, don't fake me out with stuff at the beginning. How are you doing? And I heard this. and But like, if they're a friend of yours, great. And that makes sense. If they're not, it just always feels like you are it sounds like a shit sandwich, right? You put the good news at the top, you put the hard thing in the middle, and you put the good news at the bottom. Like you don't need, I just feel like you don't need to do it in that way. Of course, say hello, but I just want you to narrate your action. So it might even sound like, let's say it's a really good friend of yours who you know has power. I think these are always the hard relationships, right? It might sound like, hey, I've been wanting to ask you this for a while, but I all, but our relationship as friends means the most to me. But I'd be, it's a no brainer that I should obviously ask you, would you ever take a meeting with me for me to pitch my project? Like you just have to, honor the relationship first. Um, and I just, this so often find that once people have the language for this, they're a little more dangerous and free with being able to reach out to people because it aligns with the problem is networking and this other piece of asking, I think sometimes feels schmoozy and gross and inauthentic. And it's because we've been taught inauthentic ways to do it. And so the authentic way is to say that you know, the solution is the problem. I feel weird asking, but I'd be an idiot not to. Would you ever take a look at my pitch? If it doesn't feel right, skip it altogether. But I wanted to ask you now, so I'm not kicking myself two months from now. Like just really being honest. And I'm like, be honest. What great coaching advice. But the truth is we're not. We get in front of that computer and we start being weird. Um, and I find that that is such a 
to me, freeing uh, when it comes to asking for something. Can I just point out, we started with cubic zirconium and the idea <laughs> of fake diamonds. And Brian Pataka, you just dropped so many rare gems. <laughs> I'm putting them all in my tiara. I have spares. I think <laughs> I'm going to have a necklace to matching necklace and bracelet to go with. That was incredible. And going back to feeling, how do you want the other person to feel? They feel respected, heard, valued. You honored their time when you're like direct and to the point. So these are all things like, how do you want the other person to feel when they read yeah. or receive what you have? Incredible. And then I did want to segue into for a second, because this all interconnects, uh, is your work with A Course of Miracles, because something I love that intersects because of Gabby Bernstein yes. and her work with Marianne Williamson is hanging right above my desk. I look at it all day long. If your presence doesn't work, neither will your word. Yes. That we cannot yes. separate our being from our doing. Yes. People hear you on the level at which you are speaking which is also A Course of Miracles thought, right? So this is when you like are trying to have a conversation with your partner or your best friend and you're like, I'm really fucking mad at you right now, but I'm going to really try to, people can smell your shit sandwich with pink frosting on top. We feel the level at which you're speaking to us. And so that's exactly what you're saying there is, yeah, your, your message can't come past your presence. And one thing that I want to just honor when you said that about the part about respecting the other person, you're actually saying, I want to honor your boundary, which the person might not even have yet. Right, you're like giving them an opportunity to have a boundary, which I'm sure we're all really good boundary listeners right now. But I just wanted to offer that piece too. But yes, a course of miracles has. I mean, what would I do without it? It's changed my entire way that I think about the world, the way that I think about my life. It is the spirituality to which I has spoken the most to me. And you know, my favorite quote from a course of miracles is, "Be determined each day not to leave your function unfulfilled." I'll say it one more time be determined each day not to leave your function unfulfilled. And when I think of creative people, I think that that is, you know, this is like the let's, let's, let's say someone who's, who's listening and you're like, you're a, some kind of marketing person and you love marketing. Let's just say that's what you love to do. Who's a good, what's a good example of someone who's listening right now, Barbara, let's pick like a, a really juicy list. Oh, I could tell you right at the top of my head, yeah. the fabulous, glorious, Vinny Potestivo, okay. who is my uh, content coach, Great. a marketer savant. Great. And his, and this is what I was thinking in the beginning of our conversation, because his brain works, first of all, his left and right brains are going like, <laughs> his hemispheres are so in sync and spy, spinning at all times. And he, he just comes up with ideas spontaneously. I'm like, wow. My brain that? wasn't ever, I just never was, ne I was never going to land on that ever. Like five <gasps> years from now, I still wouldn't have gotten to that. So anyway, so that's who we're thinking about, like a marketing yeah, marvel. Think, yeah, so think of him, so right? And he probably loves it, feels really good when he's doing it. He's like having the best time, right? To me, if we're going to imagine that we are given gifts by universe, God, Oprah, Buddha, whatever you believe, and you are meant to execute on them in your life, be, be determined each day not to leave your function unfulfilled. If Vinny was suddenly like unable to do marketing, suddenly like, or had been away from his desk for two months, he would feel unlike himself. He would start to feel uncomfortable. He would start to feel cranky. And we all know this when we are separate from our function, we like start to go, well, that's because I haven't had an opportunity lately. Or that's because I'm, and suddenly the conversation no longer becomes about yourself. It becomes about the world or the business or something outside of yourself. 
When the truth is, you just need to put some hours in on the thing you love to do. So if there's someone who's listening who's, you know, likes to this public speaking, right? And you really love public speaking and wherever you are in your journey with it, if you haven't done it in a long time, you're going to feel crappy just because you haven't done it. Um, and I think a lot of times we want to look at answers outside of that. But if that is the function you're meant to inhabit, you got to spend some time in the sandbox, whether that's for being, you know, in the play, I'm saying sandbox because you need to play, whether you're being paid or not, which I think sometimes we can get really tripped up on is if there's no money attached or there's no forward momentum in it, I don't need to be doing it. And then suddenly you're in a bad mood like, oh, actually I'm not vibrating at the frequency of what I'm cement to do here. And I'm not, that's why you're not attracting in the stuff that you want to attract in. And that was the point that I wanted. That's the biggest lesson I think that A Course in Miracles taught me other than the two words that I think all religions can be summed up in, which is be kind. And I think Wayne Dyer was maybe the first person who said that, but to, to be kind. And I think a lot of us neglect clarity in an effort to be kind when the two are exactly the same thing. So go are, deeper into that. Yeah. Please. So like when a, and I'm not the man who said, I'm not the first person who said this. There's an Italian writer whose name I don't remember right now, but the, uh, that kindness, clarity is kindness and kindness is clarity. So what that sounds like is like, Hey, um, Steve, I wanted to see if you might be able to set up an appointment with me. I understand if you might be too busy right now, and this might not be something that you can actually help me out with. So let me know. So do you need an appointment with me or not? I got a little bit confused because you were trying to be kind, like you're letting me off the hook, but you're not being really clear about what it is you need. Like that might not be the best example, but I think a lot of us get messy Particularly, we talk, you talked about this earlier and said when we ask for help or ask for something, we lose our clarity out of not wanting to take up space, not wanting to look like we're not good enough, not wanting to look like we're an amateur. All of these things get in the way of saying, I need this. Will you help? And I, and I just want to offer to anyone who's challenged by asking for help, if you, and I'm going to try to say this as well as I can, you have to admit that you need the help in order for it to show up. And sometimes the admitting is with you first. So for example, I, this happens a lot when I'm, I'm sure this happens with a lot of people who are pitching at times. This happens with my actors who are pitching to agents. They make it sound like everything is perfect and amazing and wonderful. And look at all of my credits and all that I've done. And this is very true for pitching too. And look at all my writing and da, da, da. And everything is so perfect. So if everything is so perfect, why do you need a meeting with me? Why do I even need, what, what, you're not making a space for me to, occupy the role that I like to be in, the thing where I get to fulfill my function, which is to be there for people who are creating content or be there for people who are looking for a manager. You're not making a space for me. And so you're like saying like, I'm on a fast moving train. You want to get on board? Well, no, you, you seem like you're doing great. I couldn't do any better than what you're doing anyway. So why do you need me? So being able to say the vulnerable space of the help that you need, I find time and time again, when you really say what you need clearly, clear as kind, people will step in. It is when you muddy the water that we don't know how to, we don't know who to be. When you either sound too perfect or unclear, we don't know how to show up for you. Also like who wants to help someone who's unclear? No one does. Like, that's like, I'm, I'm like, I want to help you, but I'm like, what's your question? Can you, can you say it please? Right. A version of that I just heard. And I, oh man, I'm just loving all of this was that, and it goes back to, we talked about like, you know, serving your highest calling or function is when you're asking with clarity and kindness, you are allowing somebody else to fulfill their calling by helping you. Yes. And I was like, oh, I needed to hear that because I have a big old card above my desk that says ask. <laughs> oh, I love it. Two, 
is that the lack of um, kindness and clarity that we get from the other side when people won't give feedback, when you never hear, did I even get the role? Did my project get greenlit? Was the thing accepted? And to be honest, it's, one, I have to respect that there are many people you just don't have time because of the volume, but this idea that it's kinder to say nothing Mm. instead of just saying, you know what, we're in a log jam or I really, I, honestly, I don't have any feedback. We live in a world where people don't get any feedback. I know. And it's so painful. It is so painful. You know, one of the things that uh, I'm sure this comes up in your coaching and the work that you do too, is I have uh, actors kind of decide or people who are pitching decide, what is your reaction going to be to silence instead of letting themselves make up the story? So my reaction to silence is going to be fill in the blank that I bless and respect the person that is the busy. Because the Course of Miracles would say, just to bring it back here, is all attempts to understand other people's motivations are dangerous. So the moment you begin to say, the reason they didn't respond is you are wrong. You cannot be right. There is no way that you will know the full story, right? And no matter what your other friend's experience was with that same person, you will not be right, right? I love a no more than I love a silence, of course, because then you get to go, foof. Thank God I'm they're off my I'm not holding space for that possibility anymore. Thank God there's only two people left for me to meet with. Bless them and move on. And I also I love a no even more so because it lets me go, yay, I'm not gonna waste any more energy there. And these are like my orange juice concentrate of maybes that I get to focus on. These are the people that might really make it happen for me. Awesome, right? Like I that I just love the freedom that a no gives. I think no's are our most attractive, is the most attractive word in the English language. So what is your new story that you're going to make up when someone is silent, when someone says no, when someone says maybe, when someone says tell me more? Those are like the five categories of responses you get is like no, yes, maybe, tell me more, right? Like, and there could be other permutations of that inside of that, right? And so what is your, what are you going to decide is your mindset going to be when you get those responses? Because even a tell me more can be like a, Maybe it's a yes and you can get all excited about it. Or they want to hear more about it. Like, and you have to be like, actually, tell me more means they're interested and they're just checking that like, what is your expectation around each of those responses? And it just, I've seen people be so much more free and like delighted when they get a no or delighted when the silences come in and they go, great, I get to focus all my attention on the tell me mores and the maybes and the yeses right now. And I also think there's this piece that is a real pisser, which is give them their freaking dignity of their no being the right answer for you too. If they had said yes and they really meant no, you would have had a shitty experience with someone who was half in. I do not want a blase yes. I do not want a, oh, let's try it. I want a yes or let's talk about it later. I don't have time for this or a no. Like, because you, we, you, I'm sure many a person has ended up in multiple meetings with someone who is always just kind of half in, and you've put in so much effort on this half in meeting or manager or agent or whatever you're working with. And I would rather release that person. So I really want to give people the dignity of their no being the right answer. And I'm not knocking on the door again. Like, no, are you sure that I'm not the right one for you? Like, let's focus on the other people here, right? That doesn't mean you can't pitch something else to them again in the future. Of course, that's the open door there. But I just really, give them the dignity and the blessing and the thank you, bless and thank you for that. No. Great. Who's my next person? There has to be some belief in, I think when I'm saying this, I realize this, there's a privilege in believing that like the right person is going to be existing for whatever it is that you're pitching or working on, right? That there is going to be another opportunity to pitch it. So I realize that the baseline of this is the belief that if someone says no, there's someone else that can say yes. So I realize in every single industry, there's not always 
endless numbers of people that you might be pitching to. But I want to bring that into the conversation, at least so that when we're thinking about it, that we like can bless and release and say, there's got to be someone else that's, that is going to be on board. So I, I want to just at least acknowledge that. It allows us to circle back to what we talked about earlier was the energy that we bring to our marketing and communication. Yeah. Yeah. And it, isn't it weird where to bring to that is dignity. To me, I think it's so like, I want to bring dignity to the marketing communication. That I, and to me, dignity is giving a human being their own full experience, right? In the respect of their full experience of you want to unsubscribe, you want to say yes, you want to say no, you want to be, you want to tell me that you want to use a different email address, whatever it is, is like the respect that you offer that it is a, you know, I think a privilege to show up in someone's inbox, right? That you're going to acknowledge that. And without, because I think that takes away the idea of entitlement and brings in the idea of like the belief that I have, which is I'll sometimes end my emails this way, which like if I'm trying to say, I always think about, I would say like, be a good Victorian lady, right? Like bring your manners to every single thing that you do. Like if you stopped at someone's house, you'd send them a thank you card. If I run into you, I'm going to send you a thank you card. Like if I see you at an a event, I'm going to send you a thank you note, right? Like that is part of being a good Victorian lady because I'm going to have such good manners that it's going to help us build a relationship. And I'm not going to get weird about sending a thank you for seeing you because I just have good manners and that is my value. It has nothing to do with what is the right thing to say because I have good manners, so I send a note. Like that's the end of the sentence and the end of the thought pattern. Where I'm going with this is the ability to give someone the dignity of saying yes or no is also this belief that you're in a small business. I like to use this as a trope in my in my work when I'm writing people is like, it's a, this is a small business. I'm sure that our paths will cross again. No matter what, I'm sure that our paths will cross again. I'm glad that we had the chance to connect, right? Some version of that gives the recipient the feeling of this person values this relationship. And we both know that we will be ships passing again soon. And then it gives, I believe also you, the permission to send another email a month later to say, oh, I thought of something that I should share with you. Like that it gives you the like, we are in this business together. I am aligning myself with the community that we are both in. I am not acting like I am outside of this. And so I sometimes use that language to end an email. So I just offer that to anybody who's listening and thinking about putting this into practice. Okay. I love so much that we started with marketing and we're ending with dignity and respect. Oh. Yeah. I feel so good. Good. That I did oh. my job. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Okay. So Brian, where can everyone find you? Um, best place to find me. The easiest place is Instagram. Brian says that you can always DM me. I am there all the time and all my content is there too. And where do people sign up for your newsletter? Which is amazing. Uh, yes. So the best place to do that. If you're an actor listening, I don't know if there's actors listening, but if you are super sneaky auditions is this really freaking cute download that I have right now that is collected stories of people getting auditions in really unusual ways, but ways that you can actually put into practice yourself. Actually, I'm going to smack myself. Everyone who is listening should go grab that because here's why. Every person listening needs to grow their network. And there are 23 stories of people growing their networks in unusual ways that you can put into practice, not weird, gross, gimmicky ways, but ways that we often overlook. So I want everyone to grab that. And we'll make sure you get on the right list so you don't get actor stuff. But you just grab that newsletter, supersneakyauditions.com, and then we'll add you to the newsletter. I hope you'll come back. This oh, I'd so love fun. to. This is so oh, fun. I, Thank you. I feel very nourished. 
And I want to thank everyone listening for joining me here and with Brian at Camera Ready and Able. If you're interested in one-on-one media communications or brainstorming training for you or your team, please shoot me a note and please be sure to visit ableintermedia.com and download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera. And as always, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Thank you.